This is Better Benefits, a podcast from the team at Brella Insurance. We're talking about how to use employee benefits to build a world where health hardships don't create financial burdens. If you're a broker or employer looking for fresh ideas and new products employees will actually use, this show's for you. I'm Mike Cirillo, Chief Revenue Officer here at Brella, and I'm here with Laura Cave, our Director of Marketing for Better Benefits, Episode 7. And today we're going to be talking to Alex Frohmeyer, or Fro as he is affectionately known, the founder and CEO of Beam Dental, about how they're using technology to build a smarter dental health benefit. Laura, how are you today? I'm doing great. This is the best part of my week. It has been fun. It's crazy to think we're already on episode seven, but this business makes time go by fast, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. Well, I am. Uh, I know we are really excited about today's show and, and to have the chance to chat again with Pro. I, I met Pro back in 2016 as Beam was making what I like to call their brilliant pivot to the dental insurance and employee benefit side. And it was pretty clear at the time that they were onto something pretty special. I think that's proven out here over the last few years. And I think one of the things I noticed back then was not only did they have a great concept, but they were powering all of that with a great culture. So really excited to have Pro with us today. That's awesome. Yeah. I can't wait to hear more about what they're up to. I know we sometimes tend to focus on health insurance because it's the biggest expense in the the benefits package, but actually dental benefits are the ones that I know I personally have used the most. And out of any other, you know, part of that employer sponsored benefit package. So as a consumer, you know, I'm really interested to hear how dental benefits can work smarter and maybe pass along some savings if I take care of my teeth. Yeah, that's well said. So so let's introduce the audience to Fro. He founded Beam Dental in Columbus, Ohio back in 2012 with two other fellow engineers. And together they they designed a connected toothbrush that was one of the first examples of the internet of things in healthcare. And today, Beam is the fastest growing dental provider in the country and is available in over 40 states around the U.S. Fro, thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me on. Good to uh, see and hear from you again, Mike. For sure. Yeah, it's uh, really so exciting to see the good work that you all are continuing to do at at Beam and hope it's been a uh, productive and successful fourth quarter for you. Always is. It's fourth quarter, as you know, in this business is, you know, you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off, scooping up business, you know, really accentuating relationships that you've built throughout the year or from years ago. And it's part of what makes, I think, the business so much fun is that there really is a all hands on deck moment that's baked into the business and therefore the culture of the business naturally. And so you don't have to create this artificial all hands on deck moment because it's already there and it's and it's Q4. And, and of course, we're almost finished with it now, but it's been another great year for us. Yeah, that's, a, that's really a good way to say it. So let's just jump into a little bit. Tell, tell us a little bit about your, your own sort of personal journey and how you got into the dental benefits space. Happy to. You know, I think you you touched on at least a piece of our early story, but I think one of the most interesting things to Beam's founding story is that we don't come, my co-founders and I, we don't come from 
the insurance world. We don't come from the dental world. We don't come from the benefits world at all. We're engineers by training. We happen to have a lot of family members in dentistry. And that's really what inspired us really early on in our careers to kind of take a peek under the hood at the dental industry itself. Uh, And frankly, in the early days, we were looking for ideas. So my two co-founders and I met in engineering school in Kentucky back in 2006. And we were instantly friends and kind of homework buddies, right? I think they are the only reason I passed most of my early calculus, physics, dynamics, and other mechanical courses. <laughs> but here we are. And, and so, you know, early on, we just really, you know, I think came together as, as friends and as human beings and forged a relationship that's now 15 years old across school and our professional careers. Uh, so it's been, you know, the most, most valuable relationship in my life with both of them. And, but at any rate, we were inspired. We wanted to be entrepreneurs. I had already, by the time I got to college, I was thinking in terms of what business can I start instead of getting a big boy job when I graduate. And it turns out that I met these two other phenomenal human beings who were thinking along those same lines. What we didn't have though, is a great idea. So we ended up you know, launching a business, but not a business with a particular vision or purpose. We launched a business that started in the services sector, just engineering consulting, essentially. And we would be hired out you know, for some dollars per hour to help build other people's products and technologies. And it taught us a lot over the course of you know, two to three years that we ran that business together taught us a lot about how to build technology and also how to think about Mm -hmm. the creation of a product that we might want to dedicate all of our time to. Because you meet all these great people, you know, other founders, other business owners who are so passionate about whatever it is that they do. And we desired that for ourselves to be passionate about building a particular thing. And so we ended up because my sister was in dental school at the time and is now a dentist and ended up marrying a dentist. And so they own a practice together. Then one of the other co-founders, his mom's a dental hygienist and has been her whole career. We ended up kind of looking, peering deeply into the dental industry, looking for ideas. And we came across the opportunity to reimagine dental insurance. That's awesome. That was going to be my next question was, how did you think about approaching building a better dental benefit? Early on, we saw the problem very clearly. As we looked inside the dental industry, you know, a few things are very clear. First is that the dental industry is huge and very valuable, but it's very sleepy. So most people don't realize that it's so much smaller than the rest of healthcare. It feels small, but compared to most other industries, it's gigantic. It's also very fragmented. Most dentists own their own practice. That's a little bit less true. We've seen more dental service organizations, DSOs, starting to build large chains like Aspen Dental or Heartland Dental. So they're starting to now be some kind of bigger conglomerates in the space. But traditionally, it's a very fragmented industry, which means that it's very difficult for dentists on a one-off basis to afford to innovate. Because anytime they want to do something innovative... It might be a new piece of software. It might be a new piece of equipment. It might be a new technique. It's going to cost them money, either in time uh, to train and train their staff, or it costs them money with the new piece of equipment or the thing that needs to be purchased to enable it. So it's very slow getting some sort of innovative new idea to actually penetrate through the entire dental industry. We saw the opportunity to look, therefore, at the kind of permutation above that or the level above that, which would be dental insurance, because we saw a level of dynamicism 
the desirability of the broker, who I'm sure we'll be talking about here more in a second, to always have the latest and greatest technology and benefits plans at their fingertips. We saw the desirability of employers to have best-in-class benefits to be able to attract and retain employees. And we saw the dental industry sorely needing some sort of shot in the arm of adrenaline in terms of exciting, young, dynamic businesses entering the dental industry with purpose to innovate, reinvent, and reimagine. Right, right. So can you talk us through like a typical Beam dental program? How does it work? Sure. Well, the way I would describe Beam at the highest level is that we're the first and the only digitally native dental insurance company. Mike, you touched on it earlier. We're doing this in over 40 states around the country uh, these days, but we started in California and Texas as our first two markets. And what Beam focuses on is three key concepts to the value proposition. It's easy, smart, and preventive. So when we think about making Beam the easiest dental insurance business in the market, it's around all things digital. We want every piece of that product experience and the user journey to be digital, as automated and as easy to use as possible, the lowest friction experience, the least number of clicks, and it manifests itself in so many different places of the product quote, implementation and enrollment should be a unified, very easy digital process. The ongoing administration of a policy, that's everything from ads, terms, and member management, billing and invoicing, claims processing, customer support, all that should be digitized and kind of scaled at that platform technology level. When we think about SMART, I'm usually talking about our approach to underwriting risk. Beam provides on a group-by-group basis custom pricing for each customer that requests that pricing from us, principally because we've taken an approach to our own homegrown machine learning based underwriting models that allow us to be more precise in claims prediction for our groups. So that way, when we put a price into the market, we're confident that that is the right price for that group based on their likely consumption of dental services in that coming contract year, usually the next 12 months. And being more precise has the advantage that it allows our customers to not just get that shelf rate from another carrier that's very generic in nature, and then that you're subject to price fluctuation based on what's happening in the macro environment. Instead, we offer a smoother renewal process because we're pricing each group to perfection each time. Now, we don't do this perfectly yet, but we're flowing more data, through the, more data through the model every day, and we're getting better and better at this process. And that's really the intention of, of SMART in that context. And then preventive is probably the most fun part of our business. It's our unique commitment to our members' preventative care. And what we mean by that is the Beam Brush, which is what started the company that first connected electric toothbrush that we give to all of our members. And it's really, yes, it's about the brush, it's about the hardware, but it's also about the idea of dental wellness. Beam has the only dental wellness program in the industry, and it's tightly coupled with our dental insurance program. So the insurance and the wellness work together to offer discounts at renewal for clients that have employees using the brush at a high rate. And increasingly, it's a platform for new products and services to be built on top of it. So imagine being able to simply brush your teeth every day, something you're already doing. But when you do it with the Beam brush, you actually get credit for it. 
We're taking the data off of the brush, which is just behavioral, when and how long you're using it. And we're using, leveraging that data to improve plan designs over time, to improve pricing over time, to improve the user experience over time. So we think that's a really dynamic and interesting part of the business. That's fascinating. It's sort of like a good driver discount, but then it actually ends up reducing risk for the group and giving you a better idea of the way to sort of almost experience rate the group because you know how they're doing with their teeth, which is wild. It's dental telematics. That's the exact right way to think about it. And, you know, progressive uh, with their snapshot program in the traditional auto telematics space, it's really the original here. And now, you know, telematics has blown up in the auto space. And then now that idea has distributed into healthcare with uh, mm-hmm. and Fitbit and Apple Watch programs. It's right. created into home insurance with sensors to detect water leaks, among other things. And now dental insurance with Beam focusing on daily dental hygiene. That's awesome. Yeah, that's where when we first connected, Fro, I think that's where you were starting to make that shift. And, you know, we have a, a fair amount in common, right? As as our two organizations, we think about the supplemental benefits and health, supplemental health space similarly around this, you know, make it easier, be smarter, make that member experience as painless as, as possible. I'm curious, how have the stakeholders in our space responded, particularly the broker channel. You know, I, I, I'd love to get your take on how they're sort of embracing this shift in a product that's been, to your point, very sleepy for a long time. It's a great question and, and probably been my most, remember, I didn't come from this world. So to me, the you know, when I first started, you know, I was our original uh, sales guy when we were a team of six people or whatever. And so basically was spearheading the go-to-market strategy for Beam back in 2016. And I didn't, I had no preconceived notion about how employees benefits work because I didn't come from the industry. So what we were following our nose from the perspective of building and articulating what we thought was a best-in-class product experience that was highly innovative and highly differentiated from what else was in the market today. And we assumed that there would be a strong response from the broker community based on what we thought the product meant and what it represented to the market. And I think what we saw when we first rolled out was a hugely bifurcated response many brokers had no reason to pay attention to a company as small and as new and as therefore volatile to their book of business that as what Beam represented. So the risk was not worth the reward in their view super early on in, in Beam. So we took a lot of tough but obviously necessary feedback early on about features that need to be added and the kind of non-negotiable aspects of what it means to administer a great dental insurance plan for customers, that we had to go back to the drawing board in some cases and make sure we were crossing the T and dotting the I on. One example here is we had a very basic idea of enrollment, but we didn't understand or appreciate all of the nuances of what enrollment actually means for an employee benefits program and had to go back and essentially rebuild our enrollment product to accommodate what the brokers were showing us were going to be some of the edge cases and uploading files and getting the census to compile the right way and being able to work with different data types and file feeds. So we just in pure ignorance were a step behind our understanding of what really made a broker want to fall in love with Beam and never want to not work with us on a case in the future. Where we've come since then, that's back in 2016, where we've come since then is in many ways, we've really crafted our experience at Beam around the broker. 
They're our key distribution channel. We've built phenomenal relationships at the kind of mom and pop broker level, the regional brokerages, and some of the big national players now. So we're working broadly across the space. We're doing it in over 40 states, I think 42 states now in the country. So we're working in a very geographically diverse way with the brokerage community. And what we found is that once Beam learned how to articulate our value proposition to the brokers, the response was incredible. And what it really came from was the broker itching for, and I know you all are, you represent this as well, Brella. Brokers are so excited about innovation that doesn't force them to compromise on a great base benefit experience for their clients. And so once you can kind of reconcile that everything you expect, we check the box on, and then more than what you expect is what we're bringing. And that's the innovation. Once you can put those two things together, it really starts to sing with the brokerage community. We're lucky that we were able to kind of navigate those early you know, few months in that probably first year or so to dial that in. And now today, it's all about scaling with our great brokerage partners and then adding more over time as well. Yeah, I love that. And, and, I, and I agree. I think we have turned the corner in, in the broker space around this desire and, and to your point, you know, itching for innovation. You know, our industry has not been all that good at developing new products. And we've got a real opportunity, I think, across many different product sets, you know, yours being one to, uh, to innovate and be different. So I'm curious, though, you know, when you think about this sort of sleepy dental space and the innovation that, that you've tapped into, why do you think we haven't seen more of it? Well, first, I think it's super hard. Insurance is regulated and it's not just regulated at the national level. There's really, you know, 50 states worth of departments of insurance that have to be negotiated with if you really want to build something and scale something. The tech stack is also trickier than it seems along two lines. And we've been very challenged by this, I think, in building it and then also articulating it to the market, which is that there's a lot of technology needed around just managing policies because so much happens with a group. So let's say there we have a group with 100 employees. Every enrollment period, more people are going to jump onto the plan. Throughout a plan year, some people are going to leave the company or get let go, or they're going to get hired. And so there's constantly new people coming in and leaving. So that makes billing and invoicing really hard because you could be billing and invoicing a different amount every single month based on the changes inside the group. There's a lot in there. There's a lot of nuance that actually gets captured inside of just the management of a policy. And then the other piece of it from a tech stack perspective is how to actually hook up with all these other systems. So at Beam, we partner with Ben Ben Admin platforms, digital brokerages, private exchanges, GAs, PEOs, all these different groups, enrollment solutions, spot enrollment solutions. So there's all these different partnerships and there's it's still the early days of InsurTech here and the digitization of the entire industry. So it can only move in many ways at the pace of the slowest player because everybody has to make all their data types work together. And some people are doing 834s and others are doing flat file systems and others are using APIs and everybody's in kind of a different place. And we haven't nailed down that kind of standardization, that standard set of protocol and technology and data transfer, which will come as the industry continues to mature. But I think it's just meaningfully difficult to get started with something innovative because there are so many blockers that seem small, but they add up to be able to really enable product experience. The other piece of it is cultural. I think one of the reasons why Beam has worked so well is that we are innovating in a very popular 
very well understood employee benefit being dental insurance. If we were, for example, inventing a whole new employee benefit that no one had ever heard of before, and there's a lot of innovation actually happening in emerging employee benefits right now, pet insurance is my favorite example, but even it now has, I think, a decent level of visibility, even though it's still the early days of pet insurance as well. That innovation in dental insurance allows us and has allowed us to position Beam as a modern alternative or a digital alternative to a highly desired, very well-established benefit. More innovation might look like adding new employee benefits to the mix, which then you have to really state your case for why an employer's hard-earned dollars should be dedicated toward a benefit that they previously had never heard of before. And so I think it's, it's meaningfully difficult to make that case The broker has to be on board with it, which means they need to have a culture of innovation, a culture of experimentation in their brokerage. Employers need to be willing to dedicate a hard-earned dollar toward a benefit that they weren't thinking about previously or they weren't prepared to contribute to previously. And then the employees have to reconcile that total comp package, which, you know, Beam's running a business too. So we're on both sides of this equation, both providing a benefit to the market and then also providing benefits to our team and understanding that total compensation picture when it comes to the employee benefit space and how people value more money on their paycheck versus a 401k contribution versus something like dental insurance or supplemental health is got that's got to be looked at in a very comprehensive way. So there's a lot of nuance in this market and I think it's it's just enough that there's friction in really greasing what otherwise would be greasing the wheels toward more innovation. Yeah, I love that. I mean, what a what a great response and and I and I think what I appreciate most is the focus on all the individual stakeholders, right? In that equation, we talk about that all the time here too at Brella and and that's you know, we, we serve many stakeholders. I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's the employee member who is using the benefit, but the ability to innovate and bring value to others across that chain is equally as critical. Yeah, I really appreciate that comment. Yeah, I was just going to add, you did such a good job of explaining the switching costs and the the sort of barriers to entry that are, there's all these costs to change. But then I think one of the things that we're trying to emphasize through this podcast and a lot of the work that we do is that there's also a price to not changing, right? And like there's a price to the status quo as well of the employees that aren't getting what they need or that don't stay with the job because they don't see enough value in the benefits package or, you know, whatever that might be. And and the same for the, you know, the dentist that can't find a way to pay for the loss of productivity to train a new system or something like that. Like, yeah, it's it's a tough consideration. You're totally on it. I think that is, that's exactly the point, which is why I'm so grateful that you all are doing this podcast and promoting this conversation in the market, which is that employee benefits at this point, especially with all the innovation that's come into the market over the past three, five, eight years, uh, we are in a new world. And that new world is one of those get on the train or the trains leaving the station situations for the entire value chain. At minimum, we're going to see rapid continued digitization of the traditional benefit stack. On top of that, I think what's really going to happen is digitization plus new and different plan designs, new and different benefits entering the the mix, rapidly different value creation models, leveraging internet of things, new underwriting data, new incentivization models for behavior, especially in healthcare. Uh, We are absolutely, I mean, there's so much inertia at this point around exciting companies that we already know 
their names and who they are, and then emerging names, and then companies that have yet to be founded, but will come about here over the next few years. It is important if I'm running a brokerage right now, for example, it would be very important to me to build a culture in my brokerage of piloting and experimenting with new benefits Mm -hmm. on a routine basis. You know, once a quarter, we're going to try something new, or once a month, we're going to bring in a, a guest or a speaker to teach us about something new because there will be a moment where if you're still, if your benefit stack as a brokerage is, well, we've got Aetna, Cigna, and Humana for your healthcare options. We've got MetLife and Guardian for dental. And then we've got VSP for vision. Employers are just going to throw their hands up at that because there's, it's clear that there's so much else happening in the market that you wouldn't be telling them about at that point. Wow. Well, so in addition to all these new and amazing things that are happening, one of the features of this sort of new world we find ourselves in is the the presence of COVID. And, and I wondered if you could tell us just a little bit about how you guys have been navigating that. We've been, we've messaged to our team. We do an all hands every month. And in most of this year's monthly all hands, we've been complimenting our team for two key words that I've been using over and over again, resiliency and adaptability. And that's really what this year has been about. I've long said, actually, well before COVID for years, I've said that I think the number one skill of the 21st century for a professional is adaptability. And that was really commentary on how fast the economy is transforming or commentary on how unlikely it is that you're going to do one job for the rest of your life, but you're going to have, you know, the average person's going to have eight mini careers inside their career, probably in wildly different industries doing wildly different work. And so adaptability of your skills and of how you work in on teams and in different size companies, maybe different geographies, I've just always found that to be an attractive quality for anyone that's working today. And COVID, I think, has dramatically accelerated the sentiment on on that belief, because what is 2020, if not a year where you've had to be highly adaptable to a totally changed work environment in a variety of different ways, not all of which are worth retreading because there's plenty of commentary on already. But in the dental space, what I can say, and then maybe we'll talk at the broker level too, what we've seen, you know, in March, April, May, the dental industry basically shut down. I mean, we saw some of the data coming out of the American Dental Association. They did a phenomenal job tracking, you know, what practices are totally closed, which ones are open, but with limited service, like emergency dental only. Emergency stuff, yeah. And then which ones were still able to be fully open. And, you know, for a couple months there, 80 to 85% of all practices were either shut down completely or emergency dental procedures only. We certainly saw that reflected in our data as well. And it's done, I think, a couple of things. And there's a bunch of stuff we don't know, you know, what the consequences quite are yet, right? But things have opened back up. That's the good news. Dental services are being rendered. People clearly feel comfortable going back and getting, you know, cleanings and work done, which is a good thing for the industry because that was a fear at the time is that anything that felt like a healthcare interaction, especially an intimate one, like, you know, lying on a chair with your mouth open, (laughs) felt like a risk that most people weren't willing to take. I'm not sure it's been quite that dire because the bounce back has been very, very nice, I'd say. But what we've definitely seen is more dentists that were close to retirement have been accelerating those plans and selling their practices. We've seen some offices close permanently, not many, but that has happened. We've seen a huge reckoning, a cultural shift in the dental community around 
PPE use, which was happening, but I think it's now much more comprehensive than it was before. You know, there's nobody's weight room is full of patients anymore. It's uh, they've leveled up the technology that they're using to schedule patients effectively. So that way there's not a big queue in a waiting room. I think that's a very nice change. And then there's, you know, some more rotation happening at the care delivery level that I think might actually emerge as some really innovative new ways to get services when you need them. And then what I would say at the broker level, and so Beam was able to, you know, kind of wiggle with the industry there through the second quarter. We're very happy that the industry's kind of turned back on, that on switch got flipped back on in the summer. And then at the broker level, we saw, I think, also some really interesting stuff, which is many brokerages going remote was a meaningful strain on productivity because it's probably the first time many brokerages were working in a remote first environment. And so just some changes there to workflows and how to collaborate and partner effectively. And then what we've seen is that brokers have been very excited to get kind of back out there in a deal-making sense to help their employers, their clients navigate the rest of COVID. Are the benefits that you now want different as an employer because your team's remote. You know, you used to have a beverage, snack, or maybe even, you know, lunch in the office routine or budget. Well, you haven't been able to use that all year, right? All those granola bars and kombucha drinks or whatever you're doing, like they're just sitting there still. All that LaCroix. All that LaCroix, right? So, you know, benefits that were very high visibility in an office environment are null and void. And so our employer is now taking those dollars and reappropriating them into benefits that either really work in the at-home environment or are more health and wellness focused. We've seen a lot of interest in health and wellness, everything from what you all are doing, supplemental health, major medical, a lot of big spike in interest in dental because it's a, you said this earlier, Laura, a high consumption rate benefit. Mm. So it's a product that you use a lot and it's meant to be used, right? Getting your clean checkups with the dentist. And then we're also seeing this more on the wellness side too, which is more of those fitness programs, gym, you know, membership subsidization, massages and kind of spa treatment style benefits, anything that kind of has that rest, recuperate, refresh the batteries element to it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's what appears to be more top of mind now. And so maybe it rotates back. Maybe it's a permanent change. Those are the questions we don't know. But I think it's really exciting to see the brokerage community taking those new things off the shelf, in some cases, dusting them off and other things. It's like, oh, it's time. Let's talk. Let's talk about telehealth right? A topic that brokers wasn't even on the radar last year. Right Now it's center benefit. Everybody's come up the curve in education and now everyone's talking about it and using it effectively in that pitch. That's awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about what's in store for Beam for 2021? I'm curious what you guys have up your sleeve. We have such an exciting 2021 planned. You know, I think one thing is in 2019, we did a big geographic expansion. We launched over 30 states I think it was like 34 states around the country simultaneously in 2014, which was super hard to do. We built our uh, internal sales and marketing function up to accommodate it. And then, you know, of course, we were introducing ourselves to thousands of new brokers for the first time in all these markets. And so this year, we've obviously made progress in maturing those relationships. 2021 will take us that next step, that next level new relationship building and expansion with those brokerages. So we're really excited to do that. 
we're making a big investment in what we call national partners. We just made a couple of key hires, really exciting folks that have helped build out what we call our partnerships practice at Beam. And that's really been a huge growth driver for us because we are convinced that success in this market is not just hand-to-hand combat building, you know, one, one-to-one relationships with a broker. It's also about building great affinity partnerships across the entire value chain. So that might be with a Ben Admin platform and might be with an enrollment solution and might be with a national broker. And so we're doing a lot of work specific to that national broker track here in 2021. We were able to become really valuable partners with One Digital, Hub International, and a handful of others here in 2020. So that's really exciting. And we're doubling down on that strategy as we head into next year. Then the third thing I would point to is we are actually refreshing for the first time in five years, our hardware program. So the Beam Brush is getting a facelift. We've got a whole new Beam Brush coming out, which is a huge upgrade into the brush itself, which is really fun. But then also everything we're doing on the back end, leveraging that data, bringing some new kind of programming to the dental wellness piece of the business. And so we're making a big investment there as we've been able to collect so much you know, data and feedback from the market on what works, but also what doesn't in that program. And so it's really fun on the side. You know, We're building this kind of B2B uh, sales channel. We're building this B2B value proposition for all of our customers. But then we also have this fun thing on the side, not really on the side, but you know what I mean? We have this fun other piece of the business, which is a internet of things company with a very, con- like an explicitly consumer bent to it in how we think about positioning that product and that tech. And then the very separate value proposition that we need to make directly to that end consumer who's going to be one of our insurance members. So that's been really fun to work on as well. So if you're into the, what's fun about working at Beam is if you're into the consumer and the brand consumer packaged goods side of the house, you can kind of scratch that itch. And if you're, you know, on the come from the B2B or enterprise SaaS space, you can scratch that itch too. Uh, and, And we've got it all under our roof. I was just thinking that, right? I mean, there's not many companies in in our space that have, you know, those various pockets that uh, that you all do. That's really awesome. And and congrats again on the success and on what sounds to be a uh, really exciting roadmap in the new year. So, Fro, last question. We'll let you off the hook here. In every episode, we we try to leave our listeners with something that may help them grow. So I'm curious, is there a resource or a book or something in that vein that you might recommend that had an impact on you as a person or as a leader that you think the audience would benefit from? Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually reading a phenomenal book right now that is really a continuation of a well-known and well-understood business and culture being that of Netflix and Reed Hastings specifically, and Patty McCord as well uh, from Netflix. Reed Hastings just put out a new book. It's called No Rules Rules. And it's a continuation of a long discussion that Netflix has, I think, very valuably for the rest of the business world, been leading for many years around some of their distinct cultural aspects. And it really challenges a lot of the norms that many businesses operate on culturally. And I think more importantly, every time I read a book that's kind of about company culture, whether it's from from Reed or others, is really it just forces you to take kind of an audit of your own company and what you think its pluses and minuses are because there's no one has cornered the market on what 
you know, quote unquote, good culture means. It's different at every company. And that's going to be different based on what the company's goals and its vision is. It's going to be different based on what that business, you know, where that business is at in its life cycle, who the leadership is, the personalities, the industry it operates in. There's tons of dynamics to it, which is what makes it such a tricky topic. But for anybody that wants to spend more time contemplating their company culture and then intentionally design it with an output or an outcome in mind, no rules rules from Reed Hastings has been highly valuable to me as I think about that for Beam Dental. We're a fast-growing business. We're adding new people all the time. And guess what? Nearly no one that we hire comes from employee benefits or dental insurance. We're teaching them this industry from scratch. And that takes a certain effort and one that we're happy to do. But it means that we're optimizing not for somebody who already knows everything about the dental insurance space. We're optimizing for someone who is a learner and is curious and exudes a growth mindset is highly adaptable, as we talked about earlier, and is a highly tenacious person who is you know, competitive and always looking to grow and develop and become a better version of themselves professionally and personally. And this book is helpful in kind of clicking through the things that really resonate because we might already be doing it today at Beam, but then also the, oh man, I didn't even think about that moments as you kind of read stories from how Reed built Netflix in its early days the cultural challenges they had and overcame, and then what they learned from it that they now apply to how such a big business with thousands of employees still operates in a very dynamic way, giving feedback in a very bi-directional way, and and it's very honest, candid feedback, which is easy to say, hard to do. And so I just think there's so many like great little nuggets in this book that as you read, either instruct what you might do, or it just provides a challenge to an assumption that you've made about what might be working or not inside your own company's culture. Love it. I mean, I, I think, again, I mentioned this early on, I've, I've had the luxury of, of interfacing with your team in a number of different ways, and, and that culture definitely comes through. And it's a choice that I'm sure you've had to make to find those people that you described. It's easy to go the other way, right? Someone who's got all the experience in the world. But in that, you may be sacrificing some other things back to the culture. So, you know, kudos to, to you guys for uh, staying focused on that. And that's a, that's a really great suggestion for our audience on that read. So thank you, Fro. Of course. Yeah, we'll definitely grab the link for that and publish it in the show notes so you can find both Fro and Beam Gentle and the No Rules Rules. Super interesting. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an awesome conversation. I know I've really enjoyed getting the deep dive on dental benefits and this whole world. And it's really exciting what you guys are doing. Can't wait to see the new brush. And yeah, just really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for having me on. I think it's great what you all are doing. There's, I'm always looking for more content about our world, right? And so the fact that you're you know, doing what you're doing and putting this together, I think is just awesome for the whole industry. Everyone will benefit from it. Cool. Well, gosh, as we wrap up here, Mike, are there a couple of things that are standing out to you as takeaways from this conversation? Yeah, I mean, really a great conversation. Couple things. You know, I think just the willingness to pivot in their sort of focus as a company and leveraging key learnings to sort of think about the way, you know, doing things a little bit differently. That certainly came through in 
deemed you know sort of shift to or or addition to a focus on the insurance side of the dental spectrum. And I think the other thing really, and, and, and some of this is too, I think, because we've got some commonality here, but what, you know, stuck with me was this focus of, of being easy, smart, and, and preventative and how that works across the entire sort of life cycle and spectrum of the dental space from, you know, as Beam said, you know, quote to, to claim the experience, the broker interaction, the employer connectivity, all of that really kind of came through for me. How about for you? Yeah, I loved what he said about the obligation to innovate without compromise. You know, it's one thing to say, we're going to make a totally new plan. We're going to innovate on how we're, you know, interacting with you. But like, we have to be able to bill you properly and we need to help you upload your census. And that's, gosh, that's so important and something that I know we've worked really hard on. So that was that was a good way of putting it. And the other thing I loved was what he said about your number one skill has to be adaptability. I know that that's been true in my career. You sort of get forced into it when you're in marketing. When I started my career, and I'm maybe dating myself a little bit, but the iPhone did not exist. And so, and the last company I worked for was an AI powered smartphone app. So, and we're, you know, mobile is always a big part of the, the experience. And I think that's what makes it really exciting to be working in technology today is that you can really, you can put yourself in someone's hand when you create digital and mobile experiences that create a, a convenient way for consumers to interface with with your product and your service. And so that was really exciting and a, and a good encouragement and reminder that that, that adaptability is just going to continue to serve us as things continue to grow and change. Yeah, for sure. And I think the final thing for me, and it sort of ties back to that, is you've got to find the right person, right? And you got to build a team that that's you know, not only adaptable, but willing to adapt. And, and some of that comes with, you know, finding folks that share the passion that, that are willing to learn, willing to grow and develop. And, and I sort of gathered in, in talking with uh, Fro that that's a big part clearly of their culture and, and how they're building their company and their team. So really, really good stuff there. Well, Laura, it's been fun. Episode seven now in the books, really good episode. So if, any of this discussion has resonated with you and you'd love to get involved or learn more, please email me at sales at joinbrella.com. We're working with brokers and their Texas-based clients right now. We talked about the fact that we're coming off of fourth quarter. And again, as I say all the time, off-cycle enrollments work just fine. So don't wait until next benefit cycle to get your team the uh, supplemental health insurance coverage that they may need. So with that, Laura, we'll call it a wrap. Visit joinbrella.com slash podcast for notes from today's show. And if you liked the episode, share it with a colleague. This helps us spread the word. Be sure to subscribe or follow in your favorite podcast player so you don't miss our next episode. And that's a wrap. This is Laura Cave and Mike Zarillo from the Better Benefits Podcast. Thanks for listening and have a great week.